Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, it's Mike Williams, and welcome back to Genesis Investor, our podcast here. Uh, We certainly are uh, glad you could spend a few minutes with us. Wanted to let you know that today um, we're going to call this episode Faith or Fear. Uh, Here we are, uh, summertime, and it's um, just beginning. And for the markets, that typically is a period of time where uh, it tries many people's patience, uh, even my own. And after 32 other summers, this will be my 33rd summer in the industry. Uh, I always tell myself I'm going to ignore things, but I'm sure I won't. Um, But here's the point. Um, Why do we talk about faith or fear? Uh, As it relates to investments, strangely enough, those two emotions are uh, constantly at uh, war in our minds. You know, we see a bad uh, headline, we hear a terrible story, we think Greece is the end of the world. We wonder what's going to happen to the Eurozone. We think the pigs are going to destroy us. We think bird flu is going to take us all out, and if it doesn't, Ebola will. Uh, I mean, the way the media works these stories these days, uh, it is the end of the world almost all of the time. We often refer to it as going from apocalypse now to apocalypse later almost every other day. Uh, So why fear or faith? Uh, Strangely enough, there are two emotions that require us to believe something we can't see. And I guess guess what I think about is um, we have to ask ourselves a question first. We have to say, do I want to continue to uh, participate in the the end-of-the-world chatter? I mean, it, it's been droning on and on and on for the better part of the last 15 years now. Since 9-11, it seems we um, got struck so deeply that our fear uh, was let out of this box. You know, before, 2000, before 9-11, I, I don't ever remember people being so afraid. Um, but today, we're afraid about everything, maybe that somehow broke us in ways that we haven't put ourselves back together yet. But in any event, the question is, uh, do we want to participate? You see, the end of the world chatter and whether or not we participate is elective. It's not a forced item. It's not like we're uh, locked into that. We can choose to not participate. We can choose fear or we can choose faith. Uh, And I know you're probably thinking, oh, my God, Mike, you know, yes, I'm from the South, but I'm not talking about Bible-thumping faith. I'm talking about uh, when fear grabs at your thoughts, when dark concerns lead you to buy into the idea that the future is bad, consider this. Consider a few items. In 1982, when I began in this business, the U.S. GDP was $6.4 trillion dollars. Today, 
after every single horrible, unthinkable, unimaginable thing that has unfolded over the last 33 years, everything we're afraid of, even after all of that, Today, our GDP is nearly $18 trillion. In 1982, when I began, the annual earnings figure for the S&P 500 was a grand total of $13.82. This year, it'll be about $125. Next year, $130 is on tap, and that's even as the oil sector chokes on lower oil. They'll adjust. It'll take them a little time, but all those numbers are even with those problems. In 1982, the annual dividend figure for the S&P 500 was $6.93. This year, we'll pay out annual dividends of nearly $42. Next year, $45 plus is on tap. So back to the faith and fear. You know, fear is easier to sell you on. If I wanted to get rich selling newsletters, I'd get rich scaring you to death because the public buys fear. They embrace fear far easier than they embrace faith. It's easier for our mind to shrink under the pressure of fear, whatever it may mean to each of us. But as we enter the summer of 2015, we stand atop many new records. Record output, record manufacturing, record earnings, record cash flows, record liquidity, record wealth, record household net worth, even as housing still recovers. We also stand in front of a tailwind that will carry the U.S. to heights not yet understood, given the power of Generation Y and even Generation Z, as young as they are, coming into the system over the next 25 or 30 years. Why do I suggest we consider all of this? Well, think of it this way. Consider this time, these events, this day, this window of history, the convergence of all the elements we fret over as we see them spread across the land, here and abroad. Then assume that somehow, today, they will overpower all the strength, ingenuity, discipline, honor, problem-solving efforts, technological advances, medical miracles, insights gained, experiences acted upon, and the very strength of all the citizens in this land and all of our ancestors before us. Somehow, all of that collective history that we have used to power through everything that has faced us, somehow that will fail today. You must believe that to buy into the fear. Or does it seem more logical to presume that we overcome, we succeed, we learn lessons, we solve problems, and then we move on to new highs? Isn't that what our history has been? Somehow all of that history today is going to end. We have to believe that in order to buy into the fear. One is faith. One is fear. Both require us to believe something we cannot see. So think about this. We have recently been told that the Q1 GDP was a paltry minus 7%. Excuse me, minus 7 tenths 
of a percent. That would be really horrible if it was minus seven. But we've also heard, uh, as our friend Dr. Ed tells us, and I'm quoting here, the U.S. economy may not be booming, but it certainly isn't doing as badly as suggested by the seven-tenths of a percent drop in GDP during Q1. By now, everyone is aware of the residual seasonality problem that has been weighing on Q1 growth rates for many, many years. That now includes the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which announced in their blog on May 22nd that it will fix the problem by the end of July. Strangely enough, we've lived with that problem, well, forever until now. Recently, I've noted that the problem can be overcome by simply calculating that real GDP rose 2.7% during Q1 on a year-over-year basis. This automatically eliminates the seasonal adjustment problem and shows that the economy continues to grow at a slow but steady pace. Real non-farm business output, which excludes government spending, rose 3.5% year-over-year during Q1. Strangely enough, (laughs) national income rose faster than GDP. That's why we noted in our last episode Tax records show record amounts of earnings, both corporate and personal. So you must assume for a second that the GDP reporting just isn't catching up to speed of the new economy. So here's the thing. In 1988, I'm going to give you an example of how growth rates can confuse you. In 1988, our GDP, by the way, how'd you feel in 1988? Pretty good? I mean, the world wasn't ending in 1998 every other day. At least it didn't feel like it. The GDP then was $8.29 trillion, almost half of what it is today. But then it grew at 3.5%, the very same 3.5% we just grew at in Q1. Now, on the surface, you may say to yourself, well, geez, Mike, are you saying we're growing at the same rate we were in 1988? Well, technically speaking, percentage rates are percentage rates. But here's the deal. A 3.5% growth rate on an $8.2 trillion economy is about 290 to 295 billion new dollars of growth. That's how that calculates. The same 3.5% on a 17-plus trillion dollar economy, which we live in today, is nearly 600 billion new dollars, 590 to be exact, of new output growth. So you might say to yourself, gosh, we've been growing at the same pace. No, that's a percentage argument. Real dollar output has doubled not too shabby. So the question is, is it really a terrible time? Or is it indeed the best of times, since all of these are records? And we're just clouded out of those best of times, because we buy into the fear instead of faith. Said another way, how did you feel in 1998? Pretty darn good, as I recall, because everybody loved stocks. Tech stocks, but They loved stocks. The economy we benefit from today versus 1998 is five 
trillion dollars larger, almost 30% larger. How about 2000 before the tech bubble burst? Man, people loved the world. They loved the future. They were certain all stocks grew to the sky. Everybody felt pretty good. The economy we benefit from today is $4 trillion larger than it was then. Now, here's the kicker. This may be a shocker, but I want to point something out to you. Since 1982, there have only been two years where GDP actually shrunk from the year before. Bizarre, right? If you guess 2008 and 2009, obviously you're correct. In 2007, before the economic collapse that consumed the world, we temporarily peaked. And in 2008 and 2009, GDP saw drops each year. The grand total of those two drops, collectively speaking, was about $900 billion. Now, I want you to realize that $900 billion in a decade of trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of output is tiny, collectively speaking. Said another way, it's a, a little over two and a half years of gross revenue produced by Apple all by itself. In the grand scheme of things, paltry indeed. So look, the question comes back as investors building long-term wealth planning goals. Do we want to live in fear or do we want to have faith? We, along with the massive efforts of all who have come before us, carry a torch into the future as investors, as entrepreneurs, as family members. It is not clear, and importantly, it has never been clear. It just feels that way when we're confident. It can be scary. It will have pitfalls. You can guarantee that. There will be many more things that befall us, many more problems to solve, many more hurdles and mountains to overcome. But it will also be exciting, life-giving, opportunity-filled, and ready to be lived in faith if we decide we will not participate in the the end-of-the-world chatter. Faith in the knowledge that we have collectively overcome all that has befallen us before now. We've overcome as a nation unthinkable, terrible events. All were surprises, remember. All were bad. All required a price to be paid. Heavy prices indeed in many cases. But here we are now, at a new mountaintop, resting as it may be, slowly. The economy is growing slowly. It is only temporary, as history proves to us, for decades at a time. But here's the thing. A pause is healthy. The future is bright, far brighter than we can currently perceive. We just have to have faith in that. Pray for a correction. Think summer swoon because all of them before us have been good deals. Take advantage of soft periods. As long-term investors, you want prices to get a little cheaper sometimes to make people afraid again, because that's the wall we climb upward. And as we enter into the slow periods of summer 2015, decide what it's going to be for you going forward. 
faith or fear. We hope this has been helpful. We hope it adds a little value to you and your portfolio and your life. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And until until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant. Have a great day.